was just a kid when I seen Kobe play Back in 96, I was blown away Proud to wear the jersey, it was number 8 It's heavy on my heart, but I don't show the pain I remember you were sitting on that bench Next to Phil Jackson, you the coldest ever since If I had to pick Jordan or Kobe You know what it is, we reppin' LA, homie How's it going? How's it going? That's a fresh little new intro that I had celebrating me and my young one. He's off doing his little work right now, but today, man, today's a special guest, not just because I know in March I said I wanted to bring out powerful, inspirational women, but especially today would be an International Women's Day. And what's, what's great about this podcast today is I don't know Lexi personally, but I see her story and it's nothing but inspiration. And what's even more inspiring about it is when I had my last guest, Andrea, on, I, I told her I wanted she asked if I know, I mean, I asked her if she knows more people who would love to come on and talk and, you know, give their story. And without hesitation, she mentioned Lexi. And she mentioned that she's an inspiration to her. And she's an inspiration to a lot of people. And I wanted to just bring her on so she can give an enlightenment into what she's doing and tell more about her story. Because we need more people, I can keep on saying, we need more people to spread positive energy and positive messages to these young people. And not only in young people, we need more for women. Because right now, it's it's just staggering the amount of people who still have that mindset. Like, I was watching a thing on Twitter and had Burger King's ad that popped up. It said that uh, women belong in the kitchen. And this is in 2021 where the world's changing, but yet so many people's mindset sees that as normal, sees that as they don't have the same strength, they don't have the same power, they don't have the same drive as a male, which I think is a joke. We had a professional basketball player on yesterday, and I'm pretty sure she would beat half these guys who watch this podcast <laughs> And I just seen a couple of Lexi's workout videos, and I don't want no part of her in the gym. <laughs> I'm honored to have her coming on today. So thank you. Thanks for being with me today. You've been welcome. Yes, thank you so much, Will, for having me and all the listeners for being here to tune in and everything. Super excited to spend some time with you this evening, and uh, let's just get going. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so, like, just to, so people know a little something about you, man, like your videos, I'll have the link so they can see, but it's inspiring the amount of weight you're picking up. Like, <laughs> what, like, where, where did that come from? The, where did that drive come from? Yeah, so um, it started really early on. Um, I was an athlete, a competitive athlete most of my life, most of my childhood. I played, you know, most of the sports that you could name. And um, I ended up sticking with basketball and figure skating, complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? <laughs> and um, with that, um, my parents encouraged me to start resistance training. So uh, there was a spot near my hometown called Mike Boyle's Strength and Conditioning. And so I started training there when I was about 11 years old. And um, I just continued. And when I got into high school and got more competitive, I stayed with my training. And then from there, when I was deciding like what I wanted to study in college, I thought I wanted to be a poli sci major and go to law school like my sister because I looked up to her. And then I was like, I do not want to do that. <laughs> that does not sound like it's up my alley. And I find out that coaching and strength and conditioning is actually something that you can do professionally. And my mind was blown. So um, I decided to study kinesiology with a focus in exercise science and strength and conditioning at UConn. And I got my bachelor's and my master's there. And it was awesome. And um, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? 
but um, yeah, and I loved it. And so um, I've been working in collegiate athletics for seven and a half years now. And just recently, after becoming a mom myself, I've started working with moms, um, specifically uh, prenatal and postpartum uh, during their journeys back into using their bodies the way that they want to. Now, question is, so uh, I know you say you went to UConn. Now, you is that the university you're back at now, or are you at a different school? <clears throat> I'm at a different school now. So I was at UConn for um, my bachelor's and master's, and then I was at West Point for okay. two and a half years out in New York, and now I'm at Brown University. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So I have a lot of friends at Brown. Now, what sport are you specializing in, or are you just doing overall? Gosh, we have so many there that um, we really just work with a very wide spectrum. Um, but I would say throughout my career, the teams um, and sports that I've worked with the most include <clears throat> volleyball, basketball, and tennis. Yes. Yeah, I'm good friends with uh, Coach Perry on the football team. So oh, nice. I, yeah, I run the flag football program. We play at Brown. Awesome. We had to change it up just with everything with COVID. So I know, like, being in your field, the restrictions and everything else must be crazy to deal with COVID. Yeah. So how are you guys adapting with the one-on-one trainings? Yeah, we're doing really well. And, um, you know, we have certain protocols that we're following within our training facility and keeping everything sanitary and safe and spaced and everything like that. But I think with this past year, um, you know, and everything that's gone on, the weight room has been a pretty consistent space for athletes. And so um, that right there is just something that brings them a lot of joy, keeps them competitive around other student athletes and um, keeps them training. Yeah. One thing I love too is because like just watching your videos, it shows your grind doesn't stop. And a lot of people right now, they're all on that uh, COVID-15, which I'm like, you can't just... And I mean, like, let that be a normal and just say that it's normal. So, like, how do you, what's your mindset when it, you get to the person that, like, they, that's the normal now. It's just, like, COVID-15 or, like, I'll, you know, I'll have that beach bod starting in May. And, like, it's been hard for people like that to just get back out there when it's just, like, I'm stuck in the house or, you know. So how do you get them motivated to get back out there? Yeah, so, <clears throat> honestly, a big part of it is sharing my story. And, um, so, you know, when I was postpartum last March, I mean, I'm still obviously postpartum, but last March, um, that was like really my first within my first year postpartum. And, uh, during that experience, <clears throat> I had some complications during pregnancy that kept me, um, very inactive the entire time. And postpartum, I struggled with pelvic floor dysfunction and a bladder prolapse. And mm -hmm. so um, I had a really hard time finding my way back into training as well. And I missed it. And um, I was also extremely dissatisfied with how my body looked and felt and like who I had become. I felt like mm -hmm. I had no control. And now this pandemic hit and our weight room was shut down at work, so I couldn't train there. And so I was limited, yeah. air quotes, <laughs> to what I had available at home. 
and also to working with my PT. And so I went through months of rehab for my pelvic floor. And finally, the time came where I was feeling good enough that it was like, okay, I can start returning to some higher intensity activity if I can get my butt into gear. And um, from that point, I was also struggling with some pretty significant depression as well. And um, getting back into activity helped to pull me out of that and helped me to realize I still have my own identity outside of being a mom, outside of being a coach, being a wife, um, outside of this pandemic and everything that's going on in the world. And if I want to feel a certain way and impact my own life positively, then I just have to take action. I just have to take that first step and show up for myself. And I started doing that slowly and consistently. And from there, I just, I grew and grew. And I went from about three years of inactivity from trying to conceive through my pregnancy and that first year postpartum um, without lifting heavy at all. And now you can go back and watch the videos from the past couple of weeks in the weight room. And I'm very close to my all-time PRs. And so you can get everything back. You can feel good about yourself no matter what point you are in in your life, in your journey. And you just have to make that decision. Is it worth it to me? And am I ready to invest some time and some love into myself? Yeah, the big thing, too, is like you mentioned, it has to be a goal that you feel comfortable with. Because a lot of times, too many people's like goal is, what, oh, so-and-so says I should like look like this, or I should look like this person. So like, what was your support system like that had you, like, gave you that drive, or was it just purely mentally on your end? Yeah, so, no, it definitely um, spanned. So I, and I encourage, like, all moms, if you're able to, when you're expecting or postpartum, like join a pregnancy group, find some kind of community of like-minded women, mothers who can support you. And that was something that I did. And having those women um, along that journey with me was life-changing. Like to this point, we are still extremely close and we <laughs> go to each other for advice or just to vent and our struggles and our wins as as moms and all of these things that make us feel like someone else out there understands understands the struggle and so that's what i try to bring forth with a lot of um, the content that i post on social media is just somebody i want to be somebody who others will read and look and just take that deep sigh of relief and say somebody understands me like somebody gets it. And then outside of that, I have an extremely supportive family. My husband is amazing. Yes, he drives me crazy sometimes, but he is amazing. And um, my daughter is the biggest dose of motivation I could ever ask for, as I'm sure you can relate with your son. You know, you yeah. just look at him and you're like, I want to be the best version of me yeah. so that you can be the best version of you and you know what that looks like. Um, and then I've done a lot of work on just myself personally, mm -hmm. um, mostly 
mindset, you know, the physical stuff, it comes, right? But if you can't overcome the beast of your own mind, your own fears, that own mental block, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, that voice in your head that tells you, you'll never get there. You're not worth it. It's not going to happen. Just give up. You won't get there. That's something that you need to be willing to work on every single day. And honestly, with a lot of my clients, that's exactly what we work on, on most of our coaching calls is just dealing with that and overcoming it and getting better at pressing the mute button. I know like when uh, for me personally, when I first got out of the military, like it was so hard to like get back and like what normal is and adjusting to life like outside the military. And then, so for a while, it was just like trying to figure out like where you fit in and who you were. Cause like for me personally, I went from, I was always an athlete. And then when I wasn't an athlete, I was a soldier. When I wasn't a soldier, I was a coach. When I wasn't a coach, I was a father. So I'm always a title. So sometimes you really have to find out who you are personally. And for me, like it literally took me becoming a father to realize who the person I was. So sometimes you never know like the impact, like the, your kid, everyone says, oh, you're doing this for your kid, you're doing this for your kid. The stuff that like that smile gives for you, even like, when you would just mention your daughter, the way you light up, it's just, it's <laughs> something, it's just something about like having that little one. And she's not even two yet, so. Nope. You got those, those uh, you got those terrible twos coming. Yes. Oh, we are already in it, man. I'm telling you, she is, she's given us a healthy dose <laughs> already, but uh, uh, it's exciting to watch her grow and, and thrive. And uh, she's funny. She'll actually like jump in on workouts with me. She'll grab, she'll grab bands off the ground. You know, she's trying to mimic the movements I'm doing. If I'm jumping, she's jumping. And so it's just fun. You know, it's just fun to see her want to move with me and know that I'm setting that example. And the other thing too, is like the stigma of being a male. You always, you never ask for help. And it's, I know it must be different for like women. Cause a lot of times there is no support group for a man. Like men don't just sit around and talk about like problems and stuff like that. And that's why like, with postpartum is huge because men never understand. They always have, like a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times they say what the woman should feel when it comes to a postpartum. And there's a lot more people out there being vocal. So the fact that you are there vocal and doing it, what made you, what made you like be the voice for a lot of people and be like someone they could turn to? Yeah, <clears throat> that's huge. Um, so honestly, a lot of it was just that when I went into pregnancy and postpartum, like during pregnancy, when I was getting towards the end of it, I remember thinking to myself every day, like, okay, this is my first kid. Like, what do I expect? How do I know when I'm in labor? Right. And all you see on TV and in movies and things like that is this big dramatic, like someone's water breaks. And then it's like, Oh my God, get me to the hospital right this instant. Right. And I feel like for a lot of women, that's all you know. And my husband and I, we did the birthing classes, we did parent prep classes, like all of these things. And we were learning, you know, all this information that like, it's not necessarily going to happen that way. And it's like, oh, I didn't know there was any other way. And even though we were taking those appropriate steps to educate ourselves, the day came or the week came leading up to my due date. And I still was sitting there every day, like, okay, contractions are getting more intense. Like, is it time yet? And I'd text my husband and then it'd stall out. Right. And then the day I went into labor, I mean, I labored from 
5 a.m. until 11 p.m. when she was born, or midnight when she was born. And so, um, like, you just don't know. And then you go into this postpartum period. And um, postpartum, like, I feel like we talk about even less. You know, like, you hear these things about, yeah, postpartum depression exists, postpartum anxiety exists, but then it goes even deeper, right? There are baby blues that every mom's going to experience with a dip in hormones early postpartum. And then you take your baby home and you think, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to have like a three month vacation. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then we got home and I was glued to the couch with my daughter on my lap nursing all day long. I was lucky if I could have an extra hand to take a sip of water. And these are the real life things. And it goes even deeper than that, right? The emotional turmoil, um, the guilt, the am I doing it right? Am I a good mom? Am I fulfilling this duty to the best of my ability? And you try to look at other people around you who are mothers. But I mean, really, how often are you sitting with a woman who's just come home from birthing a child and seen what they go through in terms of just to go to the bathroom, right? Mm. Like just to take care of themselves in that early postpartum period. And these are all things that we just don't talk about um, openly and enough. And so women get to these points and we think that you know, that's just how it is. Everybody's going to continue to not talk about it because we shouldn't talk about it. And the fact of the matter is we definitely should be talking about these things. Women should feel supported. They should feel understood. Um, they should feel like they have a community of people who have been there, done that, and can help them through it instead of feeling like they need to keep all of these emotions inward. And so, um, yeah, with those experiences and just seeing how little information there is out there for women to really, really see what it actually looks like, I just felt like I've got to be a person who's making a change here, who's making women feel included and understood and like they're not doing this all alone. I know, like, just hearing you talk about a lot, and it sounds like a lot too, like with the stigma of like PTSD coming home. And it's always like that first step of who do you feel most comfortable talking to? Like who is the person that you feel yeah. like you can bounce things off? Like is that is that like a, when you first decided to come out and like tell your story? Is that something like you and your husband sat down on a conversation about, or was it more or less just something you jumped into? So <clears throat> it was basically like a almost like a domino effect, right? So like I got mm -hmm. pregnant and went through issues there, and then labor was pretty smooth, but then postpartum was really complicated. And it was just like one thing kept like pushing down all these other dominoes and it just kept building, building and building. And the more I talked to my friends and my pregnancy group, the more I was like, wow, so many people are going through this. And I took a step back and I was like, what if I didn't have this community? Like, what if I didn't have these other women? What if I never joined that pregnancy group? Like, what would my life look like then? What would my support be like? Who would my community be? Um, and it was really that realization that I st started having more and more conversations with my husband in terms of like, I really think like I want to advocate more for women and like have more of a voice in this um, prenatal and postpartum time period. 
and what women should actually expect. And then there was this other layer of when I went into my pregnancy, you know, I read tons of articles from, um, you know, reputable journals on uh, training during pregnancy, um, training postpartum. And I figured with my education and my background in strength and conditioning and exercise science and um, human physiology, I was like, I'm going to be totally fine, right? Like, I'm going to be good. And it so did not go that way. Mm -hmm. I couldn't exercise at all during my pregnancy. Um, And then postpartum, I tried to jump back into things so quickly because you go to that six-week follow-up and in most cases, your doctor says, like, you're good to go. Like, you Mm -hmm. got the green light, jump right back into whatever you want. And think about it. How many times have you heard people say, like, getting their pre-pregnancy body back? And the fact of the matter is, you can't unhave a baby. (laughs) right? Like once you have a baby, your body's changed forever. Mm -hmm. You might be able to get things back to a more normal baseline, but you're never going to completely take away the anatomical changes that have happened to you during that pregnancy and during multiple pregnancies, um, you know, based on how many children (laughs) you've carried. And so with that, I was like, wow, somebody who's educated in this can still really mess themselves up <laughs> after having a baby. And that's not cool. So um, w- when I started working with my PT, I found out this really great um, uh, organization called Girls Gone Strong, um, which I'm getting certified through to uh, work specifically with uh, pre and postnatal clientele. Nice. And um I've just started like expanding my body of knowledge even more and looking back at my experience, how it relates to other women out there um, and how I can really be an advocate and just kind of like bridge this gap between just being a mom, being a mom who wants to get fit again and actually bringing that all together and giving you the resources and the tools um, to help you do that. Yeah, it's crazy because like when my wife was giving birth, I there was so much terminology and so many things that as a husband, like I had no idea. And she went in like I want to say like a week or two weeks early. She had a preeclampsia, mm-hmm. and was, when I first like I had no idea what it was. So like afterwards, like the birth, the birth went fine, everything went fine, and the doctor was telling her never tell somebody about your birth because it went so smoothly. So then I was like, oh, you know, birth is easy. But not understanding all the inside things and all the mental things that are going through. And as a husband, sometimes you try to be that support system, but at the same time, you'll never truly know. And when it comes to certain topics, like there's certain things that are just better to have that female voice and mm-hmm. it's good, it's more groups, but at the same time, men have to be willing to learn as well. Yeah. And that, that's why I want to break definitely out of you on because there's so many guys who we want there's, there's, there's a lot of guys who just think they understand but there's so many more that if you actually have and listen and learn like i'm learning so much stuff about with different people on the podcast and when i had andrea uh, andrea sorry i never heard of lactation cookies and i was like what and she explained it to me <laughs> so i'm just like learning and it's just we as a people got to be more open to learn when it comes to different sexes different groups different nationalities and especially with you being at Brown, you see ranges of every different type of people, different groups and nationalities. 
So what's what's that been like just broadening and learning and being around so many different culture cultural backgrounds that helped you in your field that you're in? Yeah. <clears throat> so you truly and the even cooler part is like the fact that Brown does have so many sports that are, you know, some are more popular in different countries and things like that or, or um, more well known in those countries. So we really do get like a lot of international students as well. And so just being around them and seeing how their energy transfers, how everybody's able to kind of like become one entity within their team, but then also within like the entire student body is really, really cool to see oh. like how much they're accepted and just like empowered to be mm -hmm. genuinely and uniquely them because they are all there for like this same purpose, right? This sole purpose. And so it's really, really cool to be a part of that and, um, you know, see all of that energy come together and come to life. And especially during this time, right? Like they're still showing up, right? They're still training, like they're still all in and everything like that. And so it's really, really cool to watch that community grow. And then um, <clears throat> in terms of like kind of crossover between these two different aspects of coaching that I'm doing is um, also the acknowledgement that like for all my female athletes, like how broadening my knowledge on um, female specific training, women specific training is going to impact them as well. When I started seeking out my PT postpartum and going through all this stuff, I actually sat down and talked with her and put together a presentation for our staff, um, talking specifically about uh, pelvic health and pelvic floor health with um, female athletes and kind of like what goes into that. And a lot of the stuff that I found out, like the statistics, my mind was blown, right? So nine in 10 women will have a baby at some point in their lives. And um, so when I think of all of my female student athletes or all of our female student athletes at, at Brown and all these other places I've been and in, in the military when I was at West Point and everything like that, I'm just like, wow, like that's a crazy stat, right? Like the majority of, of these women are going to have a kid someday. And <clears throat> there's also uh, research showing that High impact athletes, like up to 40% of them can um, experience some type of like urinary incontinence. So lack of bladder control. And when it comes to thinking about that, it's like, how much of this is a product for being a female athlete for the majority of your life? And just that yep. constant impact from jumping, from running, right? From um, being explosive and just doing drills that really should just be, you know, part of our everyday life, part of our sport, part of being an athlete. And the thing is, it impacts women in a very different way. And now you see things with like the US soccer team, women's soccer team and tracking menstrual cycles and things like that. And so I think the field in general and inside of sports and um, athletic performance and exercise is really just expanding to take into consideration that there's so much more that goes into being a female athlete than yeah. we really have ever known before. So it's really exciting to be a part of this, like right now and see mm -hmm. where everything's going to go. Now, I know like a big thing too, like, cause I, we just literally just talked about being a student athlete and how the grades come first. 
And we're also talking about being more than an athlete. And that's a big thing, more toward like the racial background, but mm-hmm. telling like, the athletes to be more than an athlete. Is that something that you keep, like you inspire with just not just being, you know, telling, not just being an athlete or a trainer, but you being that voice, is that something that you keep in mind of being more than an athlete or more than a coach? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that we always say, like in the field of strength and conditioning and coaching specifically, is that, yes, you know, if we specialize in athletics, we are coaching athletes. And that's extremely important. But even more so, big picture, we are coaching human beings, right? We're, We're coaching a person, with their own background, their own personality, their own physical restrictions, mental barriers, all of these things. And so I think this time in our lives has been truly unique because typically when we're working with a group of athletes, we're really just focusing on our teams, right? Our assigned teams and and things like that. And so now we're given this opportunity with changes due to COVID to be working with all of the student athletes, mm-hmm. um, no matter if they're our team or not. And so with that, you're really like digging in and building these relationships with athletes who maybe have seen you in the weight room before, but really not gotten to know you. And mm-hmm. so that's been really interesting to like watch those relationships form and build and, um, you know, just become something new to the department. And <clears throat> our ultimate goal is always, whether it be, collegiate strength and conditioning, personal training, um, private coaching, whatever it may be. I think the best service that you can do to whoever your client is, is really listen to the values that they have for themselves moving forward in their life, wherever that's going to take them, right? So example, when I was at at West Point, a lot of those cadets are, are athletes during that time, and then they're going into the military. So it's finding that balance, right? A lot of collegiate student athletes, some will go on to play professional sports, some will continue on to play rec- recreationally, um, some will go on to join like powerlifting competitions or CrossFit competitions because they like having that competitive nature, and some will just go on to want to live a healthy and fit life. And so it's really finding that. Um, way that you can make a bigger impact on their life that they can take from their current situation into the rest of their life. And so that's, uh, it's pretty cool to watch like how different that can be for different people and um, just make the experience like unique to each individual. Yeah, I was listening, uh, listening to someone else and they were talking about like the impact of coaching and just being a coach and being a mental role. And a lot of times for me in the high school level, you end up coaching far more not of what your sport is, but the mental aspect, especially with the young kids. So coaching is more what you're doing off the field, or in your case, out of the gym. Mm-hmm. You have that same experience when dealing with college kids, or is more being at that higher age? Yeah. So, um, one thing that is becoming like way more well uh, utilized within athletics is sports psychology, yeah. and honestly, we. I feel and um, many other coaches that I know would share this same uh, feeling that it is an invaluable and um, critical uh, part of the athletic performance experience and developmental process because 
it really does just come down to mindset, uh, emotional processes, and how you're speaking to yourself in that moment. And then taking that from an athletic population and then putting it to, you know, the clientele and population that I'm working with with moms, I think that one of the biggest things that we struggle with as as women and caretakers and mothers is this feeling that we need to take on everybody else's problems as our own and just be the the fixer, like find the solution. So the biggest thing that I hear from moms is like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Like all I do is give, 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 do, do, do for everybody else. And I don't even know where I come into play. Mm-hmm. And it's like heartbreaking because how can you give so much of yourself so selflessly to everybody else and not put anything back into you, right? I use sometimes the analogy of, of, of a car, right? And um, you wouldn't like take your car on a road trip without filling up the gas tank first. And mm-hmm. moms do it constantly. They just wake up every morning and they're running on empty and they're giving everything they have to everybody else. And at the end of the day, when they like completely lose it or just have a meltdown or need a minute, they feel guilty. Like, who am I to do this to these people around me? They don't deserve that. And what it comes down to is just remembering that you've got to fill your tank up too. And so when it comes to the mindset work and that, Um, space. It's really just remembering that, you know, you're a mom, maybe you're a wife um, or significant other, a daughter, a sister, whatever it may be. And you're also an individual. Mm -hmm. Like you were you before you were any of those things. And so taking that step back to remember, like, I have needs. I am just another human being. I have these titles, I have these roles, and in order to do them all really, really well and feel good about the person that you're showing up as every single day, you've got to be willing to take that time to just put into you as well. Mm -hmm. I was just looking, because I remember you had a post on uh, Instagram, and to me it was just powerful. Someone on NEM, I'm the only one that can give my child a happy mother who loves life. And that's just powerful, because a lot of times, like, Women, like you were saying, they just feel guilty for taking a longer shower than than they should have, or not should have, but like expected, or yeah, they go outside a little bit longer. Like when you first started like leaving your daughter for the first time, that had have been how was that? Like the first time you left her when after you had her? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't even know if I can remember like the first first <laughs> time, but um, it's interesting because there's there's a couple situations that like stick out in in my head and. So one was um, over the summer, my daughter was probably just like a a couple months old, um, maybe like two months old, not even. And my uh, sister-in-law had her bachelorette party. And so we were just going to the beach for a weekend. Um, We were still within the state and within my home state. So I knew I wasn't going to be too far away. And I was really looking forward to it. Part of me was just like, dang, I cannot wait to just like be away for a few minutes. And well, I will tell you, I got to like the second morning of that weekend and I like could not stop looking at my watch, checking my phone. (laughs) Like I just remember being like, 
I looked at my mother-in-law, sister-in-laws, and I was like, I love you guys, but I'm ready to go be a mom again. And they were mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> and, and I was, and that was so true. And um, even those early days in getting back to work, I just remember feeling like, you know, you, I, I was thankful that we had daycare and that my daughter was someplace safe and being taken care of and socializing with other kids. And then there's also that part of you that yearns to be with them more and wonders what you're missing out on and all of these things. And it's so easy to get in a very judgmental place um, for yourself. I should be staying home with my daughter. I should be working. You know, I should be setting that example of a, a strong and independent woman. But I should also be the caretaker and primary caretaker for my daughter and see every first that she's ever going to have. And especially as a first-time mother, you don't know which one is right or wrong. And the fact of the matter is, the biggest thing that I took out of this is they're all fine. Every (laughs) single one of those emotions is fine. It's normal. It's healthy. You're Mm -hmm. growing. This is a journey. You're not supposed to have it all figured out. I don't think I will ever have it all figured out. Whether I have just my one daughter or 10 children, like I will probably still have more to learn. And um, no matter how many moms, other moms or dads or parents that I talk to, like I don't think any of us will ever have it perfect. But we do the best that we can on a daily basis as consistently as possible to just bring love and nurturing and support to our children, our spouses and our extended family and ourselves. And Mm -hmm. like, that is the best that we can do. So now when it comes time to, you know, leave her or have family time, I just realized that there are 24 hours in a day and I have lots of different things that I have to focus on. And I would rather have one quality hour where I'm completely dialed into my daughter or our family experience as me, my husband, my daughter, and our our dog, mm-hmm. um, than multiple hours of being scattered every place else. Right. Yeah. I remember like the first time we had a little guy, the first time we brought him to daycare, they almost had to kick my wife out because he was crying and she was gonna start to cry. So they had <laughs> I'm like walking back and peeking in a little bit. Yeah. And it was hard, but I think the hardest part for me was the, the first time when I dropped him off and like he just walked out without giving me a hug. Like, <laughs> the first time he like, made that connection with his friend, he like gave him a hug and just left. I'm like, uh, you're not giving me a hug. And so now I drop him off from school and he gets out the car and he runs in. I was like, I love you. I love you. Just, just goes in. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, grow so fast and it's just spending like every chance you get and then you, you do do something without them they have that look where they make you feel guilty about it but yeah it's blessed and like it's, it's a scary time too because they grow so fast and you want to be there but then you also like you're saying taking care of yourself so mm-hmm. how's, how's that uh, the adjustment of like with your fitness and everything else but still like finding that time like you were saying like being a trainer being a coach being a mom being a wife and like do you have like a system that you do? Cause I know like you were saying the one hour, but is, is there like a system like that? This time's for this, this time's for this. So is it just so hectic you just make time for it? Yeah, so I definitely have a system that I try to follow and um, it's not perfected yet. It may never be perfected. I think it'll always be developing. 
Um, but it was something that I needed to do, especially once I was back in my full-time job, I was running my business as well. And, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the type of person that like, I want to be good at everything that I do. I don't want mm -hmm. to put half of me or a piece of me into anything. Um, I want to bring all of me as much as I can. And it's really hard to do when you're spread so thin between parenting, being a spouse, working full time, running your business, trying to be an entrepreneur, all of these things. And so sometimes you just got to coach yourself, <laughs> right? And so um, I ended up like sitting down and basically doing a kind of what I call like a brain dump of every single day of the week, Monday through Sunday. And just looking, okay, these are all the things I have to get done. And then I kind of time block. So I'll break my day up into like <clears throat> one to three hour blocks. And I'll just put in like the things that are priorities that I have to do during that time. Um, and then when I'm going to have family time, I literally will write in like family time, unplug. And my phone goes away, like everything goes away because I will try to multitask. I know that about myself. I want to do it all. And so if I don't put my phone in another room and just completely detach from all my other responsibilities, I will not be fully committed to my husband or my daughter or whatever it is. Um, and then my time to really focus on me is first thing in the morning and, and the last thing I do before I go to bed at night. So I wake up at four every day and... Um, I get ready for the day, go downstairs, make my coffee, and I sit down with a, a book. And right now, um, what I'm diving into, if any other mothers are interested, is called Pressing Pause. Um, it's mm -hmm. geared towards Catholic moms. And so this is the season of Lent. So I'm trying to dive a little bit more into my religion, feel more connected there. So I just read a passage every morning and there's journaling questions at the end. So it probably takes me all of like five to eight minutes to read and just take a few minutes for reflection. And I listen to some brainwave music while I'm doing that and just kind of like zen out and get ready for my morning. And on my drive to work, I listen to a podcast and I switch it up, you know, something different every day. And then at night before I go to bed, I read, I try to read a chapter, but at least a few pages out of just a, a personal or professional development book just to end my day on a high note, no matter how stressful it was, just to remind myself of, of my purpose and, um, you know, what I'm doing it all for, like <laughs> why I'm putting so much time and energy into this, because it's not always easy to show up. Even if you have the drive, you have the motivation, you have the purpose, it's still work yeah. every single day. So um, you just got to find ways to stay connected to that purpose and keep showing up for yourself and everybody else. And um, the rewarding part of it is exponential. Mm. Now, when I know you're, you're just hearing me talk, I know you're big on goal setting. Mm -hmm. So when you do your goal setting, are you like, one, 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 or is you just set more like the five-year plan? How do, what's your focus when it comes to your goal setting? Yeah. <clears throat> so I like to look at long-term goals as well as short-term goals. So, you know, yeah, I know where I want to be in, in five years, in 12 months, in six months. And then basically every month 
leading up to that, I have checkpoints of things yeah. that I want to accomplish. Um, and I might task myself with a new challenge um, every month, something that I've been slacking on and maybe want to reconnect with or something that um, has kind of fallen to the wayside because life got busy. And so I'll just revisit these things as we go. But, you know, I think it's really important to have those long-term goals and see kind of like the trajectory you want your life to follow. Mm -hmm. However, when you're really dialing into it, every single day has to have a purpose. And if you don't have a purpose to every day, it's really easy to just get lost in the chaos of what that day is. So for me to be able to like focus my energy around that purpose and it can be like multifaceted as well, right? So I can have this purpose encompassing for my full-time job, for my business, for my family. And so trying to just bring energy to that um, every day as I go along my journey and some days I nail it like it is a slam dunk. And then there are other days where I'm like, wow, that was really awful. <laughs> we got some work to do. <laughs> and we do some work. It's great that you like just hearing you, you're definitely inspiring and you're motivating. And you have a lot of that. I know you probably don't like it, but you got a lot of that Kobe mama mentality. <laughs> like, hearing, hearing your quotes, you just say them so effortlessly. And, you know, me being a diehard Laker fan, I love it because you just remind me of how inspiring he is. And yes. I know you have, you're a fan of that green team, but um, <laughs> what people I, that, like growing up, what people that inspired you? Um, I will answer that question, but you know, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because uh, about Kobe and everything, because um, God bless, but I mean, he was, is, will, always be one of the greatest ever. And if you have not read it, which I have a feeling maybe you have, but Relentless yeah. by Tim Grover. Yep. So um, that was his strain coach. And reading that book, like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was never a big Kobe fan, right? Like, I just thought like, oh, he thinks he's amazing, right? He's got this, this toot about him, everything like that. And I read that book. And I my whole perception of everything, athletics, mentality, drive, athleticism, just all of it, like everything I had ever believed, like blew up in my face and was completely transformed. And it was amazing. And I like, you don't have to be into sports or anything like that to read that book. It is just such a good, empowering read. Highly recommend it. But Yes, my respect for Kobe just like skyrocketed after reading that and just for athletes in general. And, um, you know, I strive to have more of that cleaner like mentality. Right. Um, and so uh, trying to get back to your question now here. And I feel like I've, <laughs> I've linked a little bit. <laughs> uh, you, you could talk about him all day long. Yeah, class. <laughs> <laughs> people yeah, who inspired me right people yeah. who inspired me growing up so um i i've just always been like really dialed into family and um so growing up like 
My sister was a huge one. I always looked up to her, wanted to be just like her. Um, and we're still extremely close. And it's funny because we're, we're 10 years apart in age. But now our children are only a few years apart. And so we're like raising babies together. So like as we've gotten older, that age gap has like minimized, right? And we're more on the same page. So it's been really fun to like get to that point in our lives and, and kind of be like in, in sync <laughs> with where we're at. And then my parents have always been extremely supportive. They, oh God, they put us in every single activity. They encouraged us to do everything that we wanted to, to try to be the best at everything that we did. Um, I had an extremely, extremely, extremely close relationship with my grandfather on my mom's side of the family. Um, he was like, he passed when I was really young, but my God, I still think of him all the time. Um, he was super hardworking and um, we used to watch wrestling together, WWE wrestling constantly. <laughs> and so I always say that, or I always think that my husband was uh, sent to me directly from him because we still uh, dive into some WWE from here, here to there. And <laughs> I really enjoy that. What's that? You have a favorite wrestler? So I have a favorite wrestler. So that's a, a funny story. My um, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up was actually and this may be controversial, but was Hulk Hogan um, back in WCW days. Right. And um, I used to so embarrassing, but like I used to run up to the television and kiss the television like I was obsessed. Um, and then as I got older, new faves were um, Lita and the Hardy Boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh team extreme all day long and then if i had to name one now i honestly don't really know um i would probably and this could be controversial too but like again we're women's empowerment like i think the bella twins are doing a ton um mm -hmm. for women and um they're also both moms now and i know that they went through tough times during their postpartum and everything like that so I think it's amazing that they've been so open about their experiences and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of my a little off topic, but my <laughs> WWE journey. <laughs> you know, my wife had me watch the Bella twins that show every so often. I'm just like, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah was, I do the I same was, thing to my husband. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was huge on wrestling growing up. And my older brother, my brother was 11 years older than me, I believe. Yeah. And okay. so he would try. He would try all the wrestling moves. I mean, him and yeah. his friends. <laughs> yeah, the Legion of Doom, the Doomsday Device, yeah. all the time. And I always wanted to be Shawn Michaels, but I never got to be Shawn Michaels. I was to be Mark. <laughs> yeah, I was That's always awesome. the punching bag. And now <laughs> he gets into it sometimes. He just likes the high flying, like the Usos and those guys. But nice, yeah, he, nice. He does. The, he does the martial arts, so now he's. Doing a little bit of that in there and some mixing awesome. it up. So he, yeah, I, I actually want to watch it with him, but he's not big into it. But I don't want to just sit there and watch it myself. So I'll change it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so we're almost going to um, wrap it up. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. I actually got a new one to ask you now. So this is uh, the first thing that comes to your head. Just shoot it out and we'll go from there. So the oh, first. Boy, yeah. Okay. The first one's inspired by my son. I always see the big Fortnite guy. So if uh, you jump out of an airplane, 
you gotta survive on a desert island, you and five people for one week. Who you taking? Um, my sister, my brother-in-law, my husband, and two more. Mm, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Uh, my friend Ashley. And my friend Kelsey, yes, for sure, Kelsey. <laughs> so the week's all done. You get back and you get to have anything you want for your meal. What are you having? Oh, it's anything Mexican: tacos, burrito, nachos, whatever. Just all the Mexican food. <laughs> and you, you kind of tapped on it earlier, but I was gonna say, what are you listening to right now? Music. Um, yeah. So. Uh, music, I literally only listen to country music. <laughs> I love country. And it started from being a strength and conditioning coach because you listen to the same dang thing over and over all day long in the weight room. And the last thing you want to listen to on your drive home is more of that. So the only thing athletes typically don't want to listen to when they work out is country music. <laughs> so I fell in love with it. And that is my go-to. I was telling somebody a story where like, when I would play shockingly, I love country music. And they'd be like, what? And <laughs> I, I love Kane, but my wife's got me hooked on Kane Brown, but Luke Combs, yep. big, big yes. Luke Combs. I love his, yes. I love his storytelling. I love his storytelling and his music. Same. And Aldine, yeah. I'm big on Aldine. So people are like, I'm like, I love, I just love the music. It just mellows me out. And I'm like, yep. no, I don't need to get pumped up. Yep, <laughs> exactly. I got enough hype in my days. <laughs> I need to chill out. <laughs> and I know you're a big fan of uh, that college in Connecticut. So who are your, uh, your top five favorite athletes from UConn? Oh, my goodness. Um, whew, they're probably all going to be <laughs> basketball players, but that's all right. Um, they have a football Diana team? Tarassi. <laughs> Diana Tarassi. The GOAT. Shea Ralph. Um, Kemba Walker, because that's who our dog's named after, and I think my husband would divorce me if I didn't mention him. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I think of some of the girls that were there. Uh, Brianna Stewart and uh, Steph Dolson. It's funny because my, my best friend actually played football for UConn. He graduated from UConn. He played there from uh, 2002 to 2006. So I always joke about the football program. <laughs> and I play, as far as your podcast, what podcast are you on? Do you like? Yeah. So um, I love Mindset Mentor. Uh, Rob Dial is a mentor of mine. Um, I also enjoy uh, Coffee and Pearls. Um, that's a Catholic Moms one. Um, Energy Station is a really good one. Um, I think here buckets and gloves is a good one that I enjoy and um yeah just anything that's gonna like kind of help me focus like I feel like I go to um podcasts for mindset work when I need to just like dial in and refocus and so a lot of the ones I just mentioned are all like mindset based so yeah I love um Ed Milet I love his podcast Mm -hmm. I work third shift, so a lot of times I'll just listen to something, and his his just gets you going and gets you motivated yes. for more. It's all about maxing out, so that's why I love his podcast. And it's the new one it's because of your wrestling talk. If you could have a dream match, you versus anybody, who you who you wrestling? Oh my god, uh, definitely Lita. 
yeah. like that. Oh my God, my homegirl <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first uh, one of the last times it was here a couple of years back. I remember I met uh, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, he's. I couldn't even say anything. I was like such a fan of his growing up. <laughs> and was like, oh, and then one of my little cousins, like he's not even that big. I'm like, yeah, he's he's not that big, but uh, he's strong. He'll surprise you. I mean, I wouldn't want to take a swanton bomb off from him. <laughs> and knowing him, he'll jump off the top of a cage exactly. and do it. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll say one one last one. I know, um, two, 2020 was a crazy year with everything that happened and just find inspiration in it, but you kept on finding inspiration in it. And I always have like the person not leave because you can say it's so much better. Just your so motivation is, is powerful. So what do you leave that uh that young girl that's got so much going on and she needs that motivation? What are you telling her? Um one step at a time, find your purpose, be true to it, and know that it is a journey not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. Just take it day by day and keep the course and you will be successful. Thank you. Thank you. It's powerful. Again, I want to thank you for having you on because I see your posts and I think more people need to see you, more people just need to hear your story. And so for everyone that's been looking for that inspiration, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, on Instagram, I am Coach Z, is in the last letter of the alphabet, Strength41. Um, you can also find me at Coach Z Strength41 on Facebook or Lexi Zanuski on Facebook. Um, and if you are a mom looking for additional support, community, and just someplace where you feel accepted and understood, um, please feel free to join my group on Facebook. Um, it is called Mission Mama, M-A-M-A. And we would love to have you. And um, yeah, just uh, love to connect and provide some some insight and support to all the women, all the parents, all the moms out there, and just uh, help you along your journey. Yeah, thank you again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And I can't wait to keep on seeing your story grow. And hopefully uh, you kind of don't go too far in the tournament. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. It was awesome being here this evening. Really enjoyed the conversation and just uh, going to share my purpose and my experiences and hopefully it'll help others out. So thanks you so much for having me. Uh, thank you. <laughs>